0: Hello and welcome to the EV Life podcast. We're back for season two. I'm your host, Crystal Maharaj, and I'm joined by Allison Bench, the producer of the
1: podcast. Hi, Alison. Hi, I'm so happy to be back for season two of EV Life, AMA's fully in-house produced podcast all about all things EV in Alberta. Yeah, so we're, we have an exciting lineup for season two.
0: I'm so excited for our listeners to hear some of the interviews that we'll be doing this season
1: yeah yeah no and we're we're gonna have a full season and just go through so many great topics but our first episode is a very special episode because it was recorded live at a special event uh, over the summer. Yeah so AMA
0: hosted their very first EV event on June 3rd of 2023 Um, so just a few months prior to the release of this podcast and it was Wonderful. I was there on location and I spoke to a few of the owners who came out to show their EVs and that's, you're going to hear some of that interview today on the episode.
1: Yeah. And tell me a little bit more about the event, like what what went on and it was called just like the AMA EV event. Yeah. So Basically,
0: we had owners come out and show their cars. There were over 20 vehicles there. Um, you know, we had Tesla, we had the Ionic, um, we had someone came by with the Lyric, which is brand new. Everyone was really excited to see that. There was an electric Porsche. So we had quite a variety of vehicles there. And then, of course, attendees could come by and check out these cars and ask the owners whatever questions they had about um, their experience driving that vehicle. It was it was wonderful. The owners were incredible. We also had um, some vendors there. Go Electric was there. Go Auto was there. We had food
1: trucks. It was a family-friendly event. Awesome. And so this was kind of set up like a like a live and, and audience members could kind of like interact yeah. with the podcast. Like, yeah. I just want to hear a little bit more details about how that went and then we can jump into so, the recording. Well, yeah. Th- this was my first time doing the podcast live. Um,
0: as you know, we typically record in studio. And so we were live at an outdoor event. So... I wasn't sure how it would go but it it was great so we had a stage and we had the owners come up on stage and i chatted with them and i just really wanted to get an understanding of what it was like being an ev owner in canada and uh, we audience members could come and sit and listen and then at the end we opened it up for them to ask questions. And it was, it was great. They had lots of questions. And, you know, I think we really had some knowledgeable owners there who were able to answer those
1: questions in a thoughtful and informative way. Awesome. Okay. Well, I feel like we should just jump into that recording and hear about all the great things that um, we're chatted about at AMA's EV event. Yeah, let's get into it.
0: So we'll just start with some introductions. So my name's Crystal, and I'm the host of the EV Life podcast, and I'm joined by Chad and Devin. So Chad, if you can do just a quick intro, how long have you been an EV driver? And yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: I started uh, my first EV, I purchased a Nissan Leaf back in 2019, At the time I was driving an F-150 and paying over 500 bucks a month in gas, and uh, I did some mental math and realized that I could be driving a new car for free. My wife was not on board with the decision. We had a little rough patch there and uh <laughs> but a couple of years later when our other gas vehicle uh, started to uh started to die, she came to me and said, "Hey, let's let's do this again. I'm sick of pumping gas."
0: Wow. So a complete change of heart <laughs> from when you first sort of introduced the idea. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. And Devin, how about you? How long have you been driving an EV? Yeah,
3: I've had my um, my Model X for just over three years now, and a little bit different. Uh, maybe reason for the purchase for me was the ability to drive to own my dream my dream car right off the bat. There, so that's that was the main reason I actually took that car. It wasn't even the the fact that it was. Uh, not gasoline, really,
2: <laughs> right.
3: but but yes. Ever since taking that car, it's it's changed my my I guess my my vision towards gasoline cars. Yeah.
0: So was that the dri- that was just the sole driving factor to switching into an EV? You really like the Teslas and wanted yeah, one. Well, and the, one?
3: <laughs> the Model X specifically has got a, quite a few features, like the falcon wing doors, uh, self driving features, uh, the look of it, and fits my family. And it. it's a six seater, so that's the main reason was how cool it was, the technology. First and then EV second, actually.
0: And Chad, you—it was mostly. Was it just the fuel cost, or were you? Were there other factors that came into play when deciding to buy the Lee?
2: Well, there were there were other factors. I've been a proponent of EV for even before then, uh, looking at the opportunity when it presented itself to do that. But um, you know, a conversation around the the dinner table with my kids one night when they expressed their disdain for having to drive around in gas vehicles and asking why we weren't doing more for the environment, actually. And that kind of went, well, maybe it's time to actually seriously look into this.
0: So the kids kind of sparked the conversation in a sense. (laughs) Yes, they did. (laughs) Awesome. And so you said you bought the Leaf. Are you still driving the Leaf?
2: No, my wife took over the LEAF when uh, she ha- asked me to purchase the second electric vehicle, at which point I picked up uh, the preferred rear-wheel drive Ionic 5, uh, and that was uh, so that I could take advantage of the quick charging and the longer range, because I'm the one who drives all over Western Canada and most of the country.
0: How much driving are you doing?
2: Uh, I do a a lot of driving. Um, Back in February, for example, I came back from uh, Quebec. I did a trip to Quebec and back. Uh, I've been from Winnipeg to uh, Cold Lake to Vancouver Island, everywhere.
0: So you've been all around in your EV. case. So I'll come back because I want to ask about that experience. And I know you, Devin, own multiple EVs. Are they all Tesla's?
3: No, I, I have a, a fleet of vehicles uh, with a business I run. It was all EV-based business. And so, yes, we do have several different versions, not just Teslas. We have Hondas as well, the Ionic 5, the 6. Kia has brought out a few different uh, models as well and hybrids. Um, so all different range of EVs is what we have. And that was the focus to just to learn more about the other vehicles, the non-Teslas, because the stigma around Teslas were the price point, you had to be making a certain amount or have a certain amount to earn one of those to, to get one of those cars. It is a stigma. It is not that difficult to obtain, um, with incentives that are going out from the government. But uh, but yeah, through through all different ranges, I have we've learned learned quite a bit about EVs and goods and bads from which which different version.
0: Okay, so since you do own quite a variety of EVs, I have to ask, what's your favorite? <laughs>
3: Uh, my favorite, honestly, would be uh, the Model 3. Um, just the most fun to drive for me. It's a bit smaller since I'm, I'm a larger guy, 6'2". But, uh, but for, the, for the fun factor, I feel that's it. For the most practical and all-around car, I would have to agree with Chad here. The Ionic 5 kind of holds its own right now. Lots of new aw- uh, awards for it. And uh, it's one of our kind of top selling,
2: top movers as well in our business.
0: So, Chad, what made you decide to go with the ionic for your second EV
2: My wife, uh, when she came to me to ask me to get the second vehicle, she had a couple of caveats. She said uh, it has to be something that charges faster than this leaf does. It has to be something that our whole family can sit in comfortably on a long trip and not complain bitterly so uh, the ionic five it, it, uh, it was i mean built on the EGMP platform like the EV6 and it had uh, one of the first, it didn't have a, a drivetrain bump in the middle of it, uh, way more space in the back, and, uh, you know, our, our three kids, we we went for a test drive in it, and we didn't get any uh, any bickering, there was no poking going on, the kids were perfectly happy with plenty of room, and uh, to, to realize that I could charge up now instead of taking a half hour, I could charge up in 10 minutes, was the, the clincher. So
0: it's, it's a family vehicle
2: it is definitely a family vehicle we throw uh, a kennel in the back we put our two dogs in there and we you know last summer we tooled around vancouver island for two weeks and it cost us 148 dollars.
0: so i know you mentioned that you drive kind of all around canada particularly western canada do you do a lot of long-range driving
3: yeah when i when i first got my model x um COVID happened not too long after wasn't trying to take a flight to see some family out in toronto so we drove, loaded up the whole family, two girls, the wife, bags, everything, bike rack on the back. You can get, a, you can get attachments for that too. Um, and we drove out to, to Toronto. And with that, uh, like I said, we had it fully loaded, uh, myself and a bunch of women in the family. So a car was fully loaded with everything they needed. And because it has uh, a massive front trunk, we, and we needed to stay in hotel rooms, of course, so we put all our overnight bags in the front trunk. Left everything in the back. Never had to touch it, adjust it, and just pulled from the front trunk every uh, every night we stayed.
0: So you both have experience doing some long range road trips. What's that experience been like over the years? Like, has it gotten better? And how difficult is it finding public chargers?
2: Chad first. Okay. When I I first got the LEAF, there wasn't uh, anywhere near as much infrastructure as there is now. And uh, I was a bit of a pioneer in terms of, uh, because the Tesla supercharging network is much more extensive than non. And uh, there were several times where, uh, you know, I I drove out to Edson once and thinking, because I checked PlugShare, there was a, a plug there and I got out there only to realize it was Tesla only. And uh, my wife had to come and retrieve me. I was stuck out there for uh, for a couple of days charging at the typical 120-volt plug-in. And uh, I learned my lesson, picked up a Tesla adapter, a Leviton, I think. Um, and so the next time I went out to Edson, I could use the Tesla chargers now. And that was a, a, a big help. Not as much because the infrastructure started coming in. And, uh, and now... Um, you know, if I'm in, in northern Alberta, there's still a ways to go up here. Uh, Edmonton, from basically Calgary is where you get your first true supercharger that's non-Tesla. And uh, all the way to Saskatoon, all the way to Hinton, you're restricted to 50s right now. I'm really hoping that changes, and I'm hoping it changes soon, uh, because you know uh, these vehicles now are capable. Usually, 150. Uh, my Ionic is capable of uh, 235, all the way up to 350. But if I'm going, if I'm staying north, I'm I'm slow because uh, the the charging stations are up here so far only 50 kilowatts. If you're not a Tesla,
0: so it really just depends on where you are in the province right now.
2: Yes, if I go south to Calgary, uh, the second I hit crossroads, uh, there's a Petrocan there that will pull me 235. And uh, once I hit that, it doesn't matter where I go, east or west. Um, every 80 to 100 kilometers, there are supercharging stations I can fly through with my pick of where I'm charging.
0: Awesome. And Devin, what was your experience like, particularly when you drove out to Toronto?
2: It it actually wasn't
3: so bad at all, <laughs> and uh, probably the one one of the other reasons too. When I did choose electric, it was the Tesla. You know they did a great job putting that infrastructure in first, which I think sets them apart uh, and why they're still so far ahead. Everybody's catching up now, and that's not an offense to the other dealerships or cars. Just what they did. Um, but yeah, when when we head out there, headed out east, I would say maybe two to three cars we would see at the charging stations. We wouldn't see a lot. And um, and because it was early days, but never had an issue, never ran out of charge. Um, You know, that was our first big long trip with it. So we had some range anxiety only once. Uh, when it said, you know, 10 kilometers left and 25 to make it to your charger. Um, but we made it, clearly. <laughs>
0: so you did make it.
3: <laughs> we did make it. But yes, it's learning learning process with some of the, you know, the air conditioning and things like that can, can play a factor too. But no, no concerns. So
0: you did mention when you took that trip, there weren't as many EVs on the road now. So do you find now that more people are adopting that those public chargers are... There's a, a, a wait for them, or is it just not so bad still?
2: When we went to uh, to Vancouver Island last year uh, as a family trip, that was the only time I've ever actually experienced having to wait a significant time for someone else to finish with a charger, and that was a charging station in Merritt that was having some issues with one of the chargers. Merritt, Merritt is a particularly bad one. It's a it's a really uh, strongly used section of the, the highway between uh, the interior of BC and the lower mainland. So uh, they need a bit more infrastructure there, and they uh, it's heavily used in the summertime. So uh, that was the only time where I kind of went, you know, uh, we need to find a separate charger. Uh, we need to wait an hour. Uh, that's, and we're not waiting an hour to charge. I'm waiting an hour just to get to the charger. But other than that, it's been amazing. Uh, even though there's a lot more vehicles on the road now, uh, you know, you pull up to a charging station, it's generally clear or somebody's just finishing. And, I mean, my car charges in 10 minutes. So uh, it's not long to wait. If I get there and there's another Ionic 5 uh, or uh, another, an EV6 there or uh, even a Mach-E, those are charging at 150, uh, I generally don't have long to wait.
0: How about you,
3: Devin? Yeah, I was going to say, in Edmonton itself, I've only waited once at the the charging station at at Southgate for Teslas. And I think it's about a 10 or 12 station there. Um, And that was in the dead of winter, minus 40. So people that would normally not be charging at that time just were. Um, And that was the only time I've ever had to wait here in Vancouver because of the excess of Teslas there at that time. You would see kind of some lineups and such. And again, those were at peak moments uh, there but they've already added more charging stations to it
0: so if you've both just had to wait once <laughs> that's yeah. not bad at all
3: In over three years of ownership you know for both of us um waiting yeah. once at a charging station yeah
0: and how are you charging most of the time are you charging at home chad
2: i would say 96 percent of the time i'm charging at home my wife charges at home um we have uh, uh, we put in a, a NEMA 1450. Uh, had an electrician put it in for 300 bucks. Nissan's car came with a charger, um, and it charges at 7.3. I plug in at 11:30 at night; it's ready to go at 7:30. In the summertime, I plug in once every week and a half to two weeks. In the winter time, it's once a week. Uh, charging both vehicles at the same charging, uh, we we never needed we've never needed to have them plugged in at the same time. It's been really remarkably easy.
3: In Devon? Yeah, at at home as well. The home is supposed to be your primary charging source anyways. Uh, If you start using the public charging uh, networks that are out here, you're going to be not really differing yourself from a gasoline car. You're going to be more dependent on it. You have essentially a gas station at home, which is no one else can really say that if you can plug in your car. But for, for my daily commuter, which is a BMW i3, has very small range, about 230 kilometers, just to get around town. I don't even have a charger at my house. I just use the wall outlet, the 110 or 120, and I'm doing less than 50 kilometers a day. It recoups itself, uh, that and some. So you don't necessarily even need a charger per se, uh, depending on how many kilometers you put on in a day.
0: So you've both been EV owners for a few years now. What's been the biggest challenge to owning an EV in Alberta? Devin, I'll go to you first.
3: Um. Biggest challenge, honestly. Are there any? No, it was mostly um, people not liking that I had a Tesla in Alberta firstly.
0: <laughs> was that but, common to run uh, into oh people? Oh, yeah. Who- I
3: had a lot of vandalism on my on my car uh, early oh, wow. on. Oh, yeah. So that was a big thing because naturally they figure you're against oil and gas, but little did they, little did they know... I work for an oil and gas mining company. So (laughs) that's not the case. Um, But yeah, so besides the vandalism early on, there hasn't been any factors. It's one of the best vehicles to drive in the winter, actually.
0: And aside from the early issues with vandalism, has it gotten better? It
3: went went far away uh, with more more of the vehicles coming here, people realizing that it's not just the fact that if you're against oil, that's not the reason why a lot of these people have these vehicles. We're not against it. We're just choosing an alternate You know, fuel source. We still need oil, you know, and gas in our lives. Half the cars, the plastics, everything is still there. We just feel that for, you know,
2: fueling your vehicle, we don't need oil and gas for that.
0: How about you, Chad?
2: Uh, remarkably similar. When I first got the Leaf, I remember uh, I had to take a trip up to Cold Lake uh, and uh, driving through Fort Saskatchewan, I had uh, a road rage incident where this guy was just upset that I was driving uh, an electric vehicle, tried to force me off the road. St. Paul, I had the only charging station in town. Uh, I had to go inside because there was a diesel truck parked in the in the stall. I went inside, asked him to move his vehicle. He realized I was in an EV, and that's why he needed to move it, proceeded to uh, deliberately leave the diesel truck running uh, in order to sort of, you know, just just drive his point home. Um, But it's not like I'm, we we need oil and gas. It's just that we don't necessarily need it for our our city driving. We don't need it for our vehicles. We don't don't need to be behind somebody belching out toxic fumes that we have to breathe in.
0: Right. It's Correct. not necessarily one against the other. <laughs> they can both exist. Yeah, they
3: both exist, but for some reason, the perception is it can't.
0: So for someone who is considering buying an EV, what would you say to them? What's been, I guess, the best part of owning an EV for you, Chad?
2: Well, those are two different questions. I'm going to handle the first one um, separate. Um, before you buy an EV, you need to know why you're buying an EV and what you're using it for. Uh, and you need to be honest with yourself. There's a lot of people who uh, just, you know, the the common perception is I need to have as much range as possible. I need to have a, a thousand kilometers out of a charge. Um, but they're using the car for city driving for Eighty plus percent of what they do, they go on a long trip, maybe in the summertime to visit family when they're on vacation. they're not in a rush to get anywhere. Uh, a smaller vehicle is is that's a, a city commuter. It would probably be the perfect solution for them, but sometimes people just they don't they can't see that. So what do you need the EV for? I think would be my, my first one. Um, as for what I like about the EV. That what? one is I I mean there's everything. I uh, I love not having to stop at gas stations. I love never having to do an oil change. I love uh, plugging it in when I get home uh and not worrying about it. Uh, I love I love being able to uh, to to step on the accelerator to green light and be halfway down two blocks while still not speeding while the gas vehicles are halfway through the intersection because they've just started. I love that giddy feeling I love that's being able though. I love being able to turn corners uh, <laughs> at a fairly quick speed because the battery pack is so low that I have so much stability and I love I love the instant torque.
0: That seems to be a trend among EV owners. I was talking to a gentleman earlier, Sean, and he said that's that's his favorite <laughs> feature of his EV.
2: It actually saved me from a really bad accident just a couple of days ago. I was, uh, you know, you're in a left-turn lane, and the light goes yellow, and that's your last chance to get through. And this vehicle that was, I mean, there was a vehicles already stopped in the right-hand lane. This one vehicle is slamming down there, speeding, going 90 in a 70. He slips over into my lane. Uh, he's about to T-bone me. Uh, thank God I was in an EV. Step on the accelerator. I'm out of there with two to three feet to spare. The onlookers are going, how, "How did you do that? I did that because I'm in an EV. I've got instant torque. I can get out of the way of an accident faster than I can even realize I'm doing it. And sometimes the vehicle does it for me."
0: I don't. <laughs> Someone's asking, "What kind of EV?"
2: That was the Ionic Five, but I've had I've had the Nissan Leaf even take evasive action for me, get me out of an accident a couple times, which shocked me.
0: That's that's impressive. Devin, what would you say to someone who's considering an EV? And then also, what's been the most rewarding part of owning an EV for you?
3: Yeah, and I'll say similar to Chad is honestly understanding what you need it for. So as I said, Model X, Tesla Model X was my first one. Big vehicle, very expensive, all-wheel drive, lots of range. Um, I like to go on trips on the weekends and things. And I found myself doing less that year because I was just busy. And here I was spending all this money for a car and I was driving 20 kilometers a day. So, <laughs> so you could have definitely got a much more commuter one like what I have now. So I went from a Model X, something that's, you know, fairly healthy price tag on it from 150000 down to a car that's about 40000 I drive for a commuter with 230 kilometer range. Um, so definitely what are you using it for? Be realistic about it. If you take long trips, but once or twice a year, then rent a big Yukon, XL those those, those trips, and keep your commuter car, save yourself the hassle. Um, so definitely that. And then for, for my point of view is, as Chad's saying, it's it's nothing. And again, nothing against gas cars. There's some I still love, but nothing really excites me anymore as much as new EVs because of the technology that it has. So helping you evading uh, crashes, things like that's the biggest one I like is. Wintertime, wintertime here, pretty damn cold. You guys all have your car starters for your car, but you've got to pop open your garage door open, uh, your garage door, or else you're leaking in all your fumes. We can start our cars, warm up our cars while our garage doors are closed, keeping all that snow out there, getting in your car before you even push the button, and the fact that you can precondition these cars and set, set, a, set a schedule. So every, every week, I leave my house about 7.30 a.m., drop my kids to school, So in the wintertime, I can tell it Monday through Friday, be ready by 7.30 in the morning, and that means the right temperature inside for me, the right temperature for the batteries to precondition them, my favorite radio station, if, if so be it, and at 7.30 when we're ready to leave, the car is ready. We jump in and we go, and you can maximize your range that way because the car is already prepared. I don't know many gasoline cars that can prepare itself for you before you even are ready for it and pop the garage door.
0: That's and that's that's
3: and I was going to say that's my Model X has a few other features but pretty much every EV you can schedule your departure time and that's a that's embedded into the car.
0: Well, thank you both for talking to me about your experience as EV owners in Alberta and I see we have an audience so would you be open to taking some questions if they had any? For sure. So someone is asking about tire wear and if you need special tires
2: you don't need special tires uh per se it's way better if you do um ev tires uh generally you run them at a higher pressure uh evs are, are heavier uh they have stiffer sidewalls and they're use, they they make them with a different type of material so that they grip better uh but you also want higher rolling resistance out of an EV tire. So they're making some really, uh, really good EV tires now, and they keep coming up with better solutions. Uh, it seems monthly. Um, I, I put a pair of winter EV tires on my car and uh, this last year, uh, and I'm getting almost the range I was uh, for my summer tires. Uh, it, it makes a huge difference. And some of them have
3: um, technology built in for, for sound, because you won't have any engine noise to take up that sound when you're in your car if you don't have your radio on, so a big noise that you would hear is all the road noise from your tires. So finding ones with that it can be more
2: silent than others. Yeah, they they foam fill the tires so that you can't uh, you don't hear anywhere near as much of the at the road noise.
4: What else? The maintenance lake is on an EV. Is it uh, similar to a gas engine or?
2: For for me, because
3: we have quite like a quite a fleet of vehicles, the only maintenance we really encounter is is typical to the standard car, which would be suspension parts, front end parts for your, for the Edmonton roads and the potholes. I haven't spent a dime on actual maintenance of the vehicle itself besides those components. I threw a cabin filter in. <laughs> besides besides tires, so my my same Model X I'm talking about. about 140,000 kilometers. It's only uh, a 2020, so we we use it a bit. And um, so besides tires, that's been the biggest expense. We spent $2,000 on maintenance for 140,000 kilometers of driving, so it's really not that bad.
4: You've already answered, but um, I have uh, two uh, questions. Uh, First of all, uh, I'm planning on uh, getting e- uh, EV, and I have a, a garage. Uh, it's already got the two forty uh, amp uh, sixty or sixty amp power in it. But I'm wondering uh, how much of a consideration is if the garage is unheated?
2: I, I wouldn't really worry too much about it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I've actually experienced both heated and unheated garages uh, in terms of uh, starting your car up because of the preconditioning that they can all do. Um, Having it unheated doesn't matter as long as you set the preconditioning. Um, it's it's always preferable to have an EV in a heated garage if you can get it, uh, but I certainly wouldn't spend any money on doing so.
4: And uh, in your uh, home charging st- station, uh, is, is there a preferred or recommended uh, charging s- system to... Like is there better or worse, you know?
3: Tip typically, you know, you can go with the car manufacturer's, you know, um specific one if you cared if to get a Tesla or a Ford specific charger. But there's so many on the market that you don't really have to choose one or the other. Um there's literally on Amazon you can order plugs.
4: And most electricians now would know. V-
3: very very the standard, very standard install now
2: for for that.
4: All right, that's all I have to ask. Yeah, just, Thank you. you
0: so much.
2: Just to add in, um, as an example, uh, I had an electrician for three hundred bucks throw a, a NEMA fourteen fifty, and you can also get the six fifty for sixty amp for your for yours, um, and that that costs you know their their call out fee and maybe hundred bucks for cable or something who knows, but that's more than sufficient, and and most adapters will plug into those, and uh, and you can charge it your seven point three up to your twelve kilowatts.
0: Thank you so much.
2: Thank you very much. A pleasure.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with some of the EV owners who came out to that event that we hosted back in June. Again, it was such a great event and just one of the things that Amy's doing in the EV
1: world. Yeah, yeah, no, and I understand that, you know, at the um, event, there was also a prize up for grabs. Yeah, so AMA launched a community called the EV Life Community.
0: So very fitting and easy to remember for our listeners, but for members who joined Our community, they could enter to win $1,000 towards the installation of a home charging system. Mm -hmm. And so that was really exciting. And we were excited to reward one of our, our members with that prize. And They were super happy to get that because they were actually in the process of looking at installing a charger at their home.
1: Yeah. So the community, I guess, like,
0: what do our listeners need to know about how to join that community? So you download the AMA mobile app and there is a community tab down at the bottom. You click on that and you'll see our EV Life community along with some other groups that you can join. But, you know, the EV Life group is really for EV enthusiasts and EV curious people just if you have questions if you want to be able to ask an Albertan who owns an EV what their experience is like this is the place for you it's also the place to just come and ask general questions or if you are an EV owner to come and share with other people what your experience has been like.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm a member of the community. And so I I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen some great discussions and yeah, it's a really good place to just like hear exactly what people are are doing out there with you. Yeah.
0: You know, it's unique because sometimes you want the perspective of someone who lives in your community.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes a
0: difference, right? Like someone... Living in another province might have a different experience than someone in Alberta. So I think that's really one of the key aspects of this group is you're connecting with Albertans and you're getting their experience um, that's unique to this province. And you know we have people from all across the province in the group. So mm-hmm. if you have regional specific que- questions, like this is a great place to come and ask.
1: Yeah, awesome. So yeah, just go in the app store and download the AMA app and then find the EV Life community right in there. Yeah. And you'll see both Allison and I in there. So
0: we look forward to meeting some of our listeners.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and that whole point on, you know, getting topics that matter or hearing from Albertans is kind of all about what the EV Life podcast is about too. And, you know, as we're launching into season two here, uh, we have some great episodes planned on topics that um, I think, are very relevant to people in our province. Yes. We're going to talk to some local dealerships uh, about buying EVs. We're going to talk about EV charging in the province and talk to somebody who, you know, talk to actual drivers who have driven EVs without an at-home charger and with an at-home charger. So, you know, learning about the charging network and how that works. We're also going to talk to some, you know... Not-for-profits. Et- not-for-profits and, 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 and professors and experts on... Research that's happening right here yeah. in our province, and and also beyond our province. So it's it's going to be just like a great uh, season that I'm really excited about. Yeah, as am I, and we just
0: can't wait to delve into these interviews with you all. So as always, if you want to reach out to us, you can. The best place to do so is in our EV Life community on the app. But you can also send us an email at community at ama. And we'll chat with you all in the next episode. Thanks for listening.